we need to listen as leaders. We need to empathize, but also realize that um, different people have a different journey and level up the playing field. Not by saying that, you know, we want the best candidate because that's where you are acti activating merit and meritocracy. Mm, it's not for everybody, right? I have a different upbringing where I dealt with different barriers. I had a few Chinese walls to climb to be at the position where I'm at. I am open and honest for that. Realizing that the level play, uh, the, the playing field is not leveled you can put some things into place where it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. Today, we have a very special guest coming to us from Amsterdam. Her name is Vivian Aqua, and she is the founder of an organization called Viva La Vibe and they help leaders and managers keep their team members engaged, energized, and safe in a sustainable manner. And under all of this is diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're gonna face head on the most important topic we believe of today. What does it mean to truly build a diverse and inclusive culture today? We're gonna to talk about the challenges to it. We're gonna talk about some of the obstacles to it. Vivian is going to talk about some of the key leadership traits that leaders need to activate. We love that word, activate, in their leadership, in their lives to create this transformation of cultures. And it is gonna cover the gambit from the social justice issues to how do we bring that into the workplace and even more importantly, how do we create better overall workplace well-being, mental health for the people who have that opportunity to feel included, to feel like they belong? It is a challenging topic. It is the topic we need to have. We're excited to have Vivian with us for this conversation. Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are excited to be back here again today, and we have another international guest, always a very unique perspective. We have different uh, different perspectives from different cultures. Today, we have with us Vivian Aqua, and she is coming to us from the Netherlands. That would be Amsterdam, Holland, for those folks who have not looked at a map in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Vivian is coming to here to talk about a topic that is top of mind so often today, which is about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I love her unique perspective. She talks about uh, what does it look like to be an inclusive workplace wellness advocate? And she, uh, Vivian works with managers and leaders to help their team members be more engaged, energized, and create safety in a very insustainable culture. All of her topics are about work-life work inclusion, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. She's got an incredible summit coming up this fall. She'll talk more about called Amplify DEI. We're looking forward to a very rich conversation about a topic that matters. So welcome, Vivian. Thank welcome. you for having me, Jeff, and also Craig. Excited okay. to be here. <laughs> so, so Vivian, give us a little bit of the Vivian Aqua story. Okay, how far do you want to go? Because I may not look my age, but know that I am already 40. So how far do you want me to go? <laughs> Young whippersnapper. Well, we know that the whole, the whole journey informs our path, but mm -hmm. pick out a couple of nuggets and I'm sure we'll explore yeah. more of it down the road. I'll uh, summarize it. So I finished business economics and I started my journey as a financial consultant merely because I wasn't clear upon where I wanted to work and also the, the shy Vivian wanted to interact with more people by learning to connect with different people. So I have been doing that for quite a while. Then I made the, the step to become a bridge builder between finance and IT mm. uh, by working in the IT domain. Um, let's fast forward towards 2013, where I found out that I was pregnant. On the 1st of January, I found out that I was pregnant. 
working for a very small company, dealing with five managers and 30 people. I told my managers at the time when I was five weeks pregnant because of fearing maybe backlash. And I was dealing with a lot of morning sickness uh, at the time. So I wanted to prevent the whispers and the rumors, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was the worst thing that I could do. It felt for me the oh, worst no. thing that I could do. And the reason why I'm sharing that, because um, when I was six months pregnant, I was dealing with a lot of stress. A lot of um, my doctor told me that my hypertension level was not only risky for myself, but also risky for my unborn child. Mm. And the reason that I got to that place was realizing that I'm the first woman pregnant for that company, realizing that I was being bullied, realizing that I was dealing with a lot of microaggression, realizing that, you know, mm. people who I thought that they would be understanding towards a woman who is becoming a new mother, not knowing this journey, not knowing this terrain would be supportive. They were not. They mm. wanted to get rid of me as soon as possible. And that's when I realized the dehumanization was not only impacting me, but it was also indirectly impacting my son. So when my son got born, um, it gives me that new power. Every, every parent has that some kind of power where they, where they reflect, but also where they think ahead and not only about themselves, right? But it's now also about my son, Orlando, who luckily did not have any impact from what happened to me. But at the at the age of four months, I noticed him watching me, following me with his eyes. And then I realized that everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm saying and everything that, you know, what, what his parents were doing, he was copying me. So yeah. if I am tolerating a toxic workplace, mm. what kind of message am I sending? And if I don't want to send that message towards him, I need to walk away from that. So um, my son inspired me to do better and to <laughs> act better and to level up my game. So let's say that um, even though at the time I was 33, when I became a mom, um, I grew up, I became an adult when I became a mother. Mm. And yeah. because of that, I realized that there were things from my work that I really liked. So I like the change management effect where you are basically preparing people for the new thing that is coming and also basically preparing them to be engaged and adopt the new change more sooner than later. Um, basically being, being a cheerleader for the good, for the sustainability part. And I like that. And that's, that's also one of the reasons why I became a workplace wellness advocate. And I use workplace wellness as my Trojan horse to raise awareness for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Fast forward to last year where something painful happened. Know that in the Netherlands, uh, apparently it, George Floyd happened. So apparently it's cool to see a black man being killed on television because they kept playing it over and over again with no trigger warning. So my son, he's biracial, his dad mm. is Dutch. Um, he was six at the time. And one time I was a little bit too late with switching over to a new channel. And he saw that, which oh, I no. hoped that he never would have, but he had questions. I, I saw it on his face. So he first went to his dad asking questions. His dad answered some questions. And I also chose to share my side of the of, of why George Floyd died. I made it very simple. I don't want to traumatize him. But I told him that George Floyd died of the color of his skin. And kids have these moments where you feel like it's not your kid anymore. It's like Yoda or maybe Transformer or somebody who's wise, <laughs> who's sharing, you know, who's sharing questions for you to reflect on, who's sharing yeah. something impactful. Orlando, my son, has those moments and I listen to him, even though sometimes he uh, copies me too much where he's showing the mirror effect, right? Showing something that I am sharing with him. And then he turns the mirror around saying, mom, you're supposed to be doing this. But in this case, it was he was asking about, is anybody going to hurt you? 
let that question sink in because here is a six-year-old asking about the well-being of his mother Mm. by seeing that movie by seeing what happened to George Floyd and I it it paralyzed me in the beginning and then of course I have to sell a a little lie right I have to secure him of the fact that nobody's going to hurt him because I don't want him to be worried about my well-being that's the last thing that you know any child should be doing and also no parent should be dealing with these questions I'm just wondering, in Amsterdam, are you facing the the same level of racial divide, diversity that, that we have here in the United States? When you talk to people in the Netherlands, they might say no. But then okay. again, you're asking, maybe you're asking the question of the majority who doesn't feel the lash of this effect. Um, we were protesting as well. Okay. For what's happening here. And it's an it's a global thing that it that opened our eyes. We always you know it's very easy to point our fingers towards uh, the U.S. Like, you know, what's happening in the U.S. is much right. more worse. And we 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 are taller. You know, we are very progressive. I mean, our marketing skills when it comes to the Netherlands, you know, promoting, you know, the, the special plants that we sell or the special area that we have or the the tulips that we have right the promotion is 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 good and for the majority the netherlands is progressive mm-hmm. but under the water you know the 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 iceberg effect where you only see the tip of the iceberg and under the water there's right. a lot happening there's a lot happening so mm. uh, for me when my son asked me that question i bungee jumped out of my comfort zone mm. And knowing that I cannot do this alone, right? I want to create a movement. I want to create a ripple effect and I want to do something, but I don't know how. Fast forward to a few days later where I noticed Alexis Ohanian, who is known as the uh, former co-founder or former founder of Reddit, but some people might know him by him being a partner of Serena Williams. Stepping down from Reddit, merely because he wanted to make space for diversity. And also he wanted to be able to answer his daughter when she becomes a teen or she grows up and ask her dad questions like, what did you do? (laughs) This was his answer. So I was inspired by that. I don't have that budget, but I was, I, (laughs) I was inspired by that because of the fact that I want to be able to answer that same question towards my son. Thinking that the Netherlands is very small, but no, I'm six foot one. I'm very tall. I'm one meter 86. (laughs) But also thinking that who is going to listen to me? Well, I united myself with in total 69 experts. So in total 69 experts where we did a summit, a virtual summit in three days. And in total, 900 people joined within the summit by knowing just the summit for six weeks. Now I am preparing myself with 80 speakers, again, three days, and I want to create that ripple effect because Mm -hmm. of my son, because for him, I'm doing this, but I'm also realizing that we need to plant seeds now so that this generation, but also the next generation can reap the fruits. And what's the name of the summit? Amplify DEI. Okay. So, so Vivian, one thing, I, thank you for sharing such a personal story. I yeah. think that's so vital for, for others to hear the story, connect to the story. I want you to start bringing this together for us because mm-hmm. I think it's so easy here in the States. What I see often is what was happening in the social world, the social justice world is driving potential change in the corporate world. But I often see these conversations separated. Like yeah. there's this thing happening socially. But here's what we're going to do at work. Talk about the, the reality of whether they're really separate or how they're really integrated. They used to be separate. So what I'm trying to share is that at the workplace, you're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to leave your personal stuff at home. And at home, you're supposed to leave your personal stuff, your professional stuff at the workplace, not realizing we are one. We are our work. We also are our personal lives. And what impacts us in the workplace also has an impact on our personal life. What impacts us in the personal life has also an impact on our personal space. So 
companies that are saying that, you know, you should keep that social justice conversation outside. I'm just putting it out there. Basecamp, for instance, where a lot of people left because they made that statement. You cannot demand that. If you want to create innovate an innovative company where your business is thriving, you need to work on inclusion. And inclusion means that you are welcoming people their whole self to bring their whole self to the workplace and that means that they also have to talk about social injustice and social injustice is impacting people in the workplace as well where is that conversation happening is it happening at the board level is it happening amongst everybody in the company mm -hmm. is it happening in pockets or as a mass discussion it's very it's very different. What I would recommend is making it a topic for everybody. So what I see happening right now is most of the time when, you know, companies do take on initiatives when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, it's otherwise the, the ethics committee that are, that are, you know, being, um, being made responsible for that or the HR department is made responsible for that or the legal department is made responsible for that, or even they put up a dei committee right not realizing that diversity equity and inclusion especially if you want to amplify that within your company you need to raise awareness that everybody is responsible for that it's not a one people thing it's a we thing and we need to unite the people from within by sharing that they are responsible for creating an inclusive workplace. But there is a but. When it comes to activating people, I do believe that leaderships need to own that and need to activate their people yes. from, inside, from inside out to activate inclusion. Taking a stand um, is one thing, sharing a commitment is another thing, but walking the talk. That's where we are at. Well, I, I have to say, you used a word in there that is a trigger word for me. You talked about it being an initiative. Mm. And when I hear people talking about their initiative, I make judgments. And my judgment is, yeah, you're putting dressing on the cake. You're, you're making yes. the cake look nice. I, it technically is an initiative, but there's something about that word <laughs> that tells me it's going to be nice and neat. Well, it also mm -hmm. says you're going to initiate, but you may not finish. Okay. I do. I do. You, you activated something within me. So the, <laughs> the, the way I do have to warn your listeners, I'm going to talk about food. So if you're hungry, hangry, it's not my responsibility. <laughs> the way that I explain diversity is your company is creating the best carrot cake, right? You need to have these diverse ingredients to make your best carrot cake or else it will be just like any other cake. But to be able to uh, create that carrot cake, you need to also provide the right tools for your people. That's where the equity part comes in. You need to maybe provide a scale or maybe provide an oven or maybe some other tools to be able to, you know, get the best carrot cake inside. inside. But Having the diverse ingredients and having the cake tools won't help you. You need to set the oven. And if you set the oven too low, from the outside, it may seem like a tasty carrot cake, but when you cut it open, it's all fluff. And if you don't set your culture towards the temperature where it is inviting inclusion, where it's activating belonging, you otherwise have a cake that is all fluff looking out, you know, looking from the outside perfect. But when you cut it open, it's like it's like falling down or you just have a, a biscuit, a small <laughs> layer. Well, I, I really like that. And what, what came to me, the piece I didn't hear you share, Vivian, is it needs to be certain. There's going to need to be certain temperature. There needs yeah, to be Yeah, that's some the heat culture part. You need right. the oven. It's going to yeah, be heat. Need, yeah. And there's yeah. some heat to this. It's messy. Yeah. If someone says, yeah. well, this is going to be nice and neat, mm -hmm. that's not going to work. There's a yeah. messiness to this. I believe. Yeah. I got to say, there's, uh, we had a friend that used to, you know, whenever she would make a cake, she would put on a raincoat because she would get stuff all over the place. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, yeah, it may get messy. So let's, you know, put on our raincoats and, yeah. and jump in. Yeah. 
as long as the outcome is a tasty carrot cake yeah. where everybody can eat and, and celebrate the culture, can enjoy the culture. That's what I'm aiming for. So how do you suggest that people, and I'll say specifically mm-hmm. white men, mm-hmm. how do you suggest that they deal with the fact that we're actually giving attention to other people and that I, I will say for myself, yeah. I have felt like, hmm, okay, we're talking about this diversity, equity, and inclusion, which just basically means it's it's white men are, are now excluded. I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, I understand, I understand where you're coming from. It's not about excluding people. That's why I'm talking about the DEI, where yeah. everybody should be feeling welcome. But we mm-hmm. also need to, we need to think about the future of companies. Our demographics are changing globally, where you are dealing with different ethnicities, where you mm-hmm. are dealing with different ages, where you are dealing with different genders, genders, but also gender, different gender preferences. If you don't adapt, you are losing income, you are losing revenue, but you are also burning bridges online. Yeah. And you are missing out on an audience. You are missing out on money. Because if your competitor does have those elements in check, in place, let's say maybe three out of the four, mm-hmm. where their people are advocating from within and outside, saying that this is the best company, I feel at place, um, they are taking care of me, they have flexible working hours, they try to be inclusive, da 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 guess where people are going to go? Yeah. So you get the best quality people. Exactly. Oh, exactly. But now we got to define what best quality is. I knew you were going there. I mean, <laughs> that, yeah. But that's that's the throwaway, and that True. is the biggest obstacle to DEI change. Yeah. Because True. leaders are saying, leaders are saying, we got we want the best qualified people. Yeah. That's what we have, and if we do it differently, now you're telling us not to get the best qualified, and that's a. But what story. is the best? Well, is right. the best meaning that? Is white the best or is the best that you have to be straight? Is the best that you have to have a certain religion? Isn't the best thing that you need to look towards somebody's skills? And that's why I'm I'm pro for anonymizing resumes. I'm pro for blindfolding uh, the interview process, because the reason why is we all have biases. Sure. That's not that's not you know, that's not a. That's not a secret. I have biases. Everybody have biases. Mm-hmm. But when we when we interview people based upon what they can do, based upon their skill set and also realizing what can we put into them to grow for them to excel, because it's very easy to say we cannot find diverse candidates. What have you done to invest in them? Are you tapping into a certain pool? Yeah, going to the same schools. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and I think that there's an important point here because sometimes people want to, like Craig, I know you and I are abundance thinkers, mm-hmm. but there is a, there's an element of this that is limited and people mm-hmm. need to be aware of it. And you gave an example, Vivian, uh, the guy at Reddit, his first name's Alexis. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Right. He gave up his seat. Yeah. So someone diverse could have it. So people who are in power today are going to have, they're going to lose some seats. That's a reality. You don't expand the board. You don't add. And, and in fact, there's a really cool organization. Um, he's actually right in Raleigh, Craig. I just met him last week on lunch club. He has started an organization that's called take your seat. Mm. They exist to have people step out of seats and open up spots for diverse candidates because their boards aren't saying let's add five more board spots. The hmm. boards of organizations, large organizations are still, inc- they're so lacking in diversity. That's, that's totally true. So I am not saying that, you know, uh, the people who are in position in power right now, that they have to leave, but sponsor a person who you believe is different than the pool that you have been fishing in, <laughs> who has the potential to excel in the boardroom. Let's start with sponsorship, not mentorship, sponsorship. And with sponsorship, I mean that, yes, you support them in their career, but also bring them along to events, to places where you don't see them, where they are supposed to be at. 
Well, I think there, you know, you have on your uh, LinkedIn page, Vivian, uh, a statement about humanizing the workforce, yes. humanizing the workplace, which you've already yeah. talked about. And that's something Craig and I talk about, bring more humanity to it. Mm -hmm. Back to this topic of separate versus integrated. Uh, off the off air, we were talking about my friend, uh, Justin Jones Fosu and Justin, when he does DEI work, he's a gentleman from Ghana originally. He asks the leader when they say, we want to do the initiative. He said, well, how hmm. diverse is your personal life? Exactly. Yeah. It's not. And so people, so how many people are working on their own view of diversity and equity inclusion versus this work initiative over here? And I believe this, the workplace is not going to change until individuals start changing and starting with me. True. But I have another incentive. I have another example that I would definitely want to share. And that is the example where external stakeholders are now demanding transparency when it comes to your company accelerating diverse talent. And I have two examples. One is Coca-Cola, who demanded that their external lawyers have to show their diversity figures and also have to show a follow-up as in excelling, as in improving in their diversity figures. Hmm. If they don't meet that certain standard that Coca-Cola has, well, Coca-Cola is claiming a discount of 30%. That's a wow. good way to incentivize, you know, a company to accelerate their diversity, um, diversity reporting as well, making it real, not performative, making it real. And um, the investor BlackRock is also demanding, you know, only putting funds in companies that show diversity, but also make improvements, report on that. I'm seeing more and more companies sharing transparency, which is lacking. A lot of the times companies are making commitments saying within five years, our boards are going to be more diverse. Hmm. And I'm just like, okay, but what are you doing this year? <laughs> to on that five year no really what are you doing this year and have you communicated that with that message with your people instead of putting it as a pr thing right. communicate it internally make it an internal pr and then once you're done or maybe once you're three quarters through that that project then right. communicate that totally and nice. nowadays it's a lot about you know, sharing what we are doing, sharing what we want to do, sharing what we are trying to do, but not sharing the follow-up and not sharing some pieces of the snippet. What are you doing now? Yeah. What, and don't we also have to, Vivian, start defining what diversity is and, be, and also make it, as you said, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. People throw around these letters. And I would say a lot of people, if we were to ask them, Tell us what each of those words are and what they mean. People yeah. struggle. Yeah. So they see it as this thing. It's about diversity. Yeah. So you say, well, my, our board will be more diverse five years from now. Well, then you go, oh, okay. So the board today is 10 people. It's got one woman, a white <laughs> the woman, token and white, woman white the guys. token person. And five years yeah. from now, we've got, um, we've got a person of color. So now we're diverse. No, right. it doesn't work that way. But it also doesn't no. mean it's going to turn to nine and one. It's not about no. that. It's more than just numbers, right? So what do companies need to do differently to get beyond the numbers game and mm -hmm. really get to an inclusive humanization of their workplace? And does it actually need to reflect their client base and their, you know, the work environment? Yeah. It does. So ending yeah. with that question that Craig shared, it does, because otherwise you're missing out on money. Yeah. You're missing out on clients, but mm -hmm. also you're missing out on talent. So um, there is a cycle where if people see themselves being represented, but not only on the website, you know, nowadays we have LinkedIn, so we can see who's really working on the mm -hmm. on. The working in the company instead of, you know, pasting diversity on the website, thinking that you can fool right. people. We can see that. Another way that you can do that is um, 
it has been proven in so many ways. If you look at McKinsey, if you look at the different articles that has come out from uh, from Forbes, a lot of people are sharing that diversity wins. It's definitely a huge win. And if you're not winning, that means that your competitor is winning. The demographics are changing. We now have a shift of um, of millennials being in the workplace, dominating the workplace, especially within 10 years, there is like a 40-50% of millennials and they all have different backgrounds. It's not anymore the majority that, that is run, running the world now, the workplace now, it's the background. And the millennials, people have a, a, a positive but sometimes a negative connotation when it comes to millennials. The millennials are demanding diversity. So right. they are asking the questions, what are you doing with diversity? What are your intentions? What are your actions? Where can I see that? Where can I read that? And if that's not anywhere to be seen, on to the next. So, it's a so waste of, sorry, it's, it's, it's a waste of money and funding when you have talent in-house with diverse background. And within one year they leave, or within two years they leave. So you invested in in recruiting them, you invested in onboarding them, you invested in showing some love. But what happens after a half year? Where is the love then? After one year, where is the love? Mm -hmm. After two years, do you still love them? Because it's a relationship that you are working on. And sometimes you have to do that periodic check like you do with your car. The same thing goes to the workplace as well. The same thing goes to your people as well. So just hiring diversity doesn't mean, or diverse <laughs> people does not necessarily mean that you listen to them as well. And no, them. no, no, yeah. no. You can buy chewing gum, but that doesn't mean that chewing gum can fit in the cake, right? It can fit in the <laughs> cake, but it won't taste well. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Welcome back. So, so Vivian, I, I want to ask you about a very specific question. It's mm -hmm. something that I observe and it, it troubles me. Yeah. A lot of conversation in the last 18 months, at least in the United States, has shifted towards DEI in the workplace. Yeah. And often what I will hear leaders say is, well, we, yes, you know what, we want complete diversity. Yes, we want racial diversity. Uh, we want racial diversity. We want uh, LGBTQ. We want all that. But we also want diversity of thought and we want diversity <laughs> of age. And my concern is that those are all yeses, but yeah. I feel like that's an obstacle today mm -hmm. to real fundamental change because it, we're not, because the, the reality is a lot of those groups were not disenfranchised over the last yeah. decades. True, true. So, what are your thoughts on that mindset? Is it serving? the goal of more diversity, equity, and inclusion, or can it get in the way 
of real change. Do you remember Alice in Wonderland? That she was oh, stuck yeah. in a maze? Yeah. That is what that answer is doing by providing some kind of answer saying, yes, but we also need neurodiversity. What your company needs to realize, you need to work on intersectionality and invite the differences at the table. If you're saying that uh, we need neurodiversity, yes, neurodiversity needs the attention as well, but are they excluded like the other people? So it's not like, you know, Black people, um, I need to think about what I'm saying here. It's not only about the ethnicity. Yes, there is a challenge when it comes to Black people in the workplace in the States, but also in globally, also in Europe. But your people will share what they need. So for instance, if you have a Google, you cannot copy paste the same thing that Google is doing to your company. You right. have to listen to your people and they will dictate what your company needs. So maybe you need to work on three things and maybe that's a focus on gender diversity. Again, add intersectionality because just bringing in a white woman won't help you. Bring in different kind of women in the workplace, but also really think, really think about who are we missing here? Which clients are we not catering right now? Which clients, which, 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 um, which demographic are we missing here? Right. So when you, when you're talking about neurodiversity, can you please mm -hmm. explain for the audience what, what exactly you mean by that? Yeah. Not everybody's um, Neurodiversity is somebody who is maybe have a ADHD or maybe who has a dyslexia. I'm trying to see neurodiversity as a superpower because I also have to be mindful of being inclusive as well. Mm -hmm. um, a neurodiverse person might be a person who would rather work alone because of the, how do you say, the focus that they need and they have a lot of triggers. A lot of distractions, exactly. There are different ways to find neurodiversity. Some people um, don't like crowded spaces, for instance, and some people do. Um, that's how I define neurodiversity. Let's say we have a great candidate. They say, and somehow in the, in the discussion, they, they happen to mention, yeah, well, I have ADHD. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. You know, that's not something that should shock us. A lot of people do. <laughs> and so it would then be a matter of great. So how can we best support you in getting your work done? That right? question. Exactly that question. Do you have a manual? So when babies get born, they don't come out with an IKEA manual, <laughs> but you can ask your talent to create a you manual saying <laughs> that, you know, a you manual saying that. I thrive in these places. I thrive the best in these things. When I don't thrive, this is happening to me. There are some kind of user manuals that some companies are creating so that people can get to know them. But also, you know, for instance, that your colleague might be diabetic. A lot of people don't disclose that. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, I don't know, but we have lost the human side where all of a sudden you hear that somebody's is dead or somebody's missing or somebody mm -hmm. is there's something happened to them all this time you have been working with this colleague and you did not realize that he was a heart patient or she was a heart patient. We need to share more personal stuff. I'm not saying all, but share relevant personal stuff so that we can get to know each other better. Mm -hmm. We are working with each other at least <laughs> eight hours per day. Right. Why not, you know, get to that personal level as well. You're spending more time with them than you are with your family. Exactly, Jim. exactly. Well, not now at the moment. <laughs> but, but isn't that about creating um, some psychological yeah. safety? Because in the U.S., for example, I can tell you why the companies don't know all that. Because mm -hmm. they would tell you the lawyers called and said, we're not allowed to ask that. And they're not. You're not allowed True. to ask people about that. So they're True. only going to share that if they feel safe and they feel that this is a human, this is a real collection of humans. Yeah that yeah. are having human experiences. And I feel comfortable and safe sharing it with you, not because I have to, but yeah. because that's what I would do with someone I care about. And I share it, not the company doing that. And so I think mm -hmm. the opportunity is the company 
to do things differently to create yeah. that culture of psychological safety. Yeah. This is this is what we're going to talk about. Not because you have and also to. and also treating treating uh, a conversation with an with a uh, invisible non-disclosure agreement because what I'm sharing with you in private doesn't mean that it's supposed to be used in my HR documents. Totally. Yep. One could you talk, Vivian? You used the word a few times, intersectionality. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, there's people listening that don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. so can yes, you share your definition it. of that? So when you look at the American freeway, and I've been to the U.S. quite a while, but let's say that you have different ways leading towards Rome. Let's say you have different ways leading towards uh, the inner city of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. There is this intersection where you have different roadways, where you go to the I-19 or where you go to the interstate or where you go to a certain free, a freeway. It all leads to the part where I'm going to lay, un, unravel what intersectionality means to me as a black woman. I'm a black mo a mother. I am also a geek. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I am. Um, I uh, love finance. I'm a coach. I am a partner. I'm a good friend. There are so many things to me. I'm not only the black person or only the black woman. There is some level of smartness towards me, but also being a black mother is also part of my identity in the workplace. So do we have to have the labels or can you just be the Vivian? I have this conversation with a lot of people right now. At the moment, I do feel like we need to add in labels, but there are people that don't want these labels uh, okay. to define them. But we also need to realize that if we don't, there is trouble. If we do, there is trouble. <laughs> so it's like the tomato tomato thing where we have to make a decision because if you don't see yourself represented in certain layers as in management layers or in leadership layers or at the board, we need to use these labels to advance ourselves as well. Hmm. Okay. Well, and, and I would say, cause I've had this said to me by, by BIPOCs, like many that, that, that statement of, I don't like labels, they would say that's the same as saying, I don't see color. Mm. Yeah. Because it's not a label. It's a descriptor. And, yeah. and, and, and I think the intersectionality is so vital. I, I took a course earlier this year on racism and they had a, they were talking about a court case where yeah. a, a black woman had claimed discrimination and the court came back and said there was no discrimination for two reasons, because the team she wasn't on had women and black men. Therefore there's no discrimination. Mm -hmm. Because we've got women. There's so much unlearning to do. Right? That, and you, so well, that makes sense, but it do. doesn't. There's a deeper there's, story. There's so much unlearning to do. Also, when I look at the recent happenings of the way that, I think it, her name is Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, who took a step down because of the, her mental well-being. She didn't want to do any PR when it comes to, uh, when it comes to playing tennis in France. They scrutinized her. They said that you have to do that or else you are getting a $10,000 fine, $10, fine. She then realized that she was the center of this whole event. And she removed herself from that mm. because her sanity was better. Another thing is, it's maybe weird to, to share this, but what happened to the lady who ran track? Right. Based upon she was uh, she was smoking weed and it was her coping mechanism after losing her mother a week before mm. she won. But she was disqualified based upon the the rule guideline. The reason why I'm sharing this, because remember Michael Phelps. Mm. Remember what he did. Yeah. But yet he had a slap on his hand and she is being scrutinized. Criminalized with what what Michael did. Michael, well, he, was a, he, was a, he was a weed guy. <laughs> he, he loved the weed. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It he won a few medals. <laughs> we don't know if he won those medals, you know, based upon weed, but weed is not a, a speed enhancer. Weed is actually slowing you down, but it's not about letting her in for the Olympics. It's about the way 
he was right. scrutinized and the way she was scrutinized. Sure. There is yeah. always a, a, a different treatment for people that don't fit the norm. Mm-hmm. And there is another treatment for people that do fit the norm, saying that, oh, he just made a mistake. And other people are being put on the, the burning stable, kill them. We don't want anything to do with them. And it's basically a social media um, uh, killing that they are doing. So, Vivian, you said something earlier that I want to go back to. It's so simple, yet I think there's there's some challenges to it. You said mm-hmm. just listen to your people. But there's impediments to listening to your people if you haven't created a culture where people feel safe speaking. Yeah, up. yeah. So people say, well, they didn't say any different. So talk <laughs> about that could element. They, could they say anything different? If, right. if there is an environment where people are fearful for their jobs or environment are fearing for opening up their mouths. And even when you look at people expressing certain kind of discrimination or maybe racism or microaggression, it's been seen as they are the whistleblower. And what happens to somebody who's labeled as the whistleblower within a year, within two years, they leave the company and you might not even hear from them. But in the meantime, you have damaged themselves internally. And that's also one of the reasons why I combine workplace wellness with, with, uh, with DEI, because it has an impact on the mental well-being. It has an impact on the financial well-being. It has an impact on the career well-being of a person. Let me, let me ask you about a very specific example, because I love what you said at the very beginning about going beyond initiatives and finding ways to get into action. Mm-hmm. Part of your action was creating this summit, which you're yeah. repeating this fall. Uh, we had a guest just last week, um, works at a company. Uh, she uh, She's a woman. She is a, a gay woman and works very deeply in the LBGTQ plus community and in her company. And they have their email system set up. Everybody gets the same email signature based on their name. Well, she wanted to have her pronouns in her email. Mm, yeah, very And she important. had to request that through IT, and she was given permission. But what she said is, my goal is that when someone joins here, everybody gets asked. Yeah. So I don't have to ask it as a special yeah. favor. It becomes normative. Yeah. So that, to me, is a little thing, but it's a huge thing. It's a if huge you, win, especially so for- talk about that, those little wins that create bigger change? The little things that a company can do or a leader can do is educate themselves. I believe in self-leadership first. Then comes inclusive leadership. And the reason why I say self-leadership first, because you always have to lead yourself. You always have to do the education yourself. And it's not upon the person who's underrepresented to educate you. You can ask for their permission if they want to support you, but if they don't, respect that because they might not be willing to open Pandora's box of trauma. They might not be willing to have that conversation because they don't feel safe. And if that is the case, hire a coach who can support you in your journey where you are able to ask and share anything because there is a lot of fear when it comes to doing this work by saying maybe the wrong thing or maybe saying something that is insensitive. The second thing that I want leaders to learn is activate your inclusive leadership. Have courage. Become the person who is advocating for other people as well. Open up doors. And if you see that that somebody is not speaking up during a meeting, ask in a one-on-one conversation, how can I support you? How can I support you so that you can share your ideas so that you can welcome ideas the next level is how i see it is every leader becoming an ally and there are different ways to become an ally some people might do investigation some people might become a sponsor some people might be reading a really that person who's demonstrating outside because apparently there is some misconception about being an ally, that an ally is a person who demonstrates outside all the time. Allies need rest as well. 
you you said a lot there. Can you talk about you started talking about inclusive leadership? Mm-hmm. What are some ways that leaders can show up as more inclusive? Delegates by being a coach. An inclusive leader is not a leader who's controlling. An inclusive leader is a person who can trust their team mm-hmm. to together work on a goal, together work on a project and, and have that courage to unravel different conversations, but also have that courage to have these uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's about educating ourselves to be better, to create that inclusive environment as well. An inclusive leader is a person who realizes that uh, when a team member is stealing an idea or a team member is sharing an idea and it's not being heard, but somebody else is mentioning or maybe wrapping that idea in a different, you know, in a different wrapping and it's being applauded. That's not the way to go. Yeah. Interesting. So it sounds to me like it, it comes back to the leader having a level of vulnerability where they can say, exactly. I don't have this all figured out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to mess up, but I am open to the discussion and I want to see the change. I want to see a, a, a not only an inclusive, but a place where you feel like you can belong. Yeah. Yeah. An inclusive leader has a growth mindset. And when it comes to messing up, I don't believe in messing up or making mistakes. I believe in lessons, hmm. lessons to be learned. Right. Because if those lessons to be learned were not uh, available at the time when they were creating the camera or at the time when they were creating a PC or at the time they were creating a light bulb, Mm -hmm. then we will be dealing with a different situation where we would not have this conversation right now. We are learning to fail. And the best thing is that we excel from failure and level up. Well, so much of this keeps coming back to vulnerability in that I'm thinking of an example, the guy I talked to last week who started this organization called Take Your Seat. Yeah. Originally, they had called it Take My Seat. Yeah. Because the idea was, I'm willing to, I'm going to go sponsor someone and bring them to the table and they can have my seat because there's a limited number of seats. But someone was willing, it was a person of color heard that and said to them, you know, take your seat feels like you're rescuing us. I'm yeah. sorry, my seat, take my seat. Why don't we call it take your seat? Hmm. That was a subtle shift, but I went, wow, I wouldn't have thought about that. But so great that person was willing to be honest and share as a person of difference. That statement doesn't land well for me, mm-hmm. which exactly. got to some level of vulnerability and trust in that relationship. Yeah. To exactly. Have that conversation. We need to listen as leaders. We need to empathize, but also realize that um, different people have a different journey. Yes, and absolutely. level up the playing field, not by saying that you know we want the best candidate because that's where you are acti- activating merit and meritocracy. It's not for everybody, right? I have a different upbringing where I dealt with different barriers. I had a few Chinese walls to climb to be at the position where I'm at. I am open and honest for that. Realizing that the level play, uh, the, the playing field is not leveled, you can put some things into place where it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Invest in mentorships. I would rather see sponsorship, but if it is that is not possible, invest in mentorship. Create career paths together so that people can see themselves in your position. Hmm. In the future. And if it's not for your company, they will remember you as the Yoda person who guided them towards a new career where they can see that opportunity laying there for them. It's funny that you talk about Yoda and uh, we, we had another guest that uh, she's creating the Jedi Council, Justice, Equity, mm. Diversity and Inclusion. And yeah. I thought that was, it's like, hey, it's making it badass. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so Vivian, one thing we like to talk about here is to look, and we've done it already a good bit, is to look at what are the obstacles to change. Because to me, if 
it's easy to see that we're, here's where we're going to go. But if we don't look at what's in the way, we're going to yeah. get tripped up. Yeah. So I want to talk about or ask you about what I think is a, a paradox essential. And you alluded to it that I have been told repeatedly over the last five years, it's not your job, Vivian, a person of difference, to educate me. No. And what that led me to originally was, well, wait a minute. How am I supposed to get educated if you're not going to educate me? And I was in an either or world. Mm. And you made a comment earlier about it's not someone's job to educate, but you alluded to the need to have the conversation. Can you talk more about it? Because I do think it's a paradox. Mm -hmm. I can't, I need to hear from others to learn, but I can't make it your responsibility to teach me. True. It's not the person, let's say that you are my manager and you come with me to with that question. The best thing that you can do is hire somebody from outside who will be able to listen to you, but who will also be able to step on the brakes when you're doing something or you're missing a red light, right? Uh, Will I be comfortable with sharing what I think of you? Will I be comfortable with sharing what I'm feeling? And if I'm sharing that, what will you do with that information? Are you going to keep it in your drawer? Or are you going to shred it? Or are you going to shred me? Mm. Or are you going to act upon that? And that's why I believe we need to provide a safe space or anonymous service where people are able to share what they think about your company, about the department, what improvements they are making so that you hear the real voice. Mm. I mean, I can say yes and amen to everything that you're saying, but in my mind, I'm not showing the real me. What about the use of, and I've seen this in some organizations I'm a part of, we create, that and create, we've embraced some language that shortens, makes it simpler to do this. Mm-hmm. And what's called is, um, Oops, ouch, and whoa. Hmm. So an oops is I say something and I realize as I've said it that it probably wasn't what I wanted to say, or maybe it's in, it's embedded in me. It's a bias. Mm-hmm. I said it wrong. So I can call yeah. an oops on myself. And I use that word as a, like a starting point to say, oops, I said this, that may have impacted you. Yeah. Or let me check in. Did that impact you? The yeah. ouch is someone who did get impacted. It's a stopping mechanism. Instead of a long story, it says, ouch. Oh, okay. Tell me about that. Well, mm-hmm. what you, you may not have intended it, but here's what I heard. And the woe is maybe I'm sitting in a room of all people like me and something is said that I can say, whoa, wait a minute. Here's what I just heard. The, the reason it seems to work is it's that word that stops the moment yeah. and says, true. okay, now we're going to talk about it. Have you seen that work? And what are your thoughts on that idea of creating mechanisms to create conversation? I haven't, this is the first time that I'm hearing this, but I have seen something similar where um, leaders or people are being activated to apologize because apparently sorry seems to literally seems to be the hardest word to say, Mm. but we need People need apologize, right? We need to say sorry for certain things that you might be stepping on somebody's toe. If you're stepping on somebody's toe, it hurts. You can say sorry and say, what have I done? What can I do differently? What can I learn? Instead of saying, I'm not a racist. I'm not calling you out on being a racist. I'm not discriminating, but you're hurting my feelings. You're hurting my identity. You are dehumanizing me. Or I didn't mean that. Mm. So yeah, I have okay a thing that I don't, I, didn't mean that. I don't have a poker face. And let's say that the Vivian that you are seeing right now, I my face would be in a different way. But I used to be in a, in a position where I was so furious and I took it with me. I didn't say anything. I was so furious, but within three or six months, I left the company. Mm. Wow. So, so Vivian, this is, this is so rich and so vital. And I know we could go on and, and we're coming to the end of our time. The final question I would ask you is you've shared a lot, mm-hmm. but what's the core message you would offer to leaders 
wherever they are, whether it's a position of leadership or just people who have the ability to influence, which we all do, mm -hmm. what's the message if they want to be part of this change? I want you to find a way to amplify diversity and inclusion within your comfort zone. So if that means that your network is lacking mm. diversity, activate that. If that means that you are in rooms at events where you are expecting to see other people than only a copy paste of yourself, invite them in, challenge the organization as well. Maybe buy tickets for them because maybe the ticket price is too high or have that conversation with the event organizer so that you can give away some tickets. Is, is that assuming too much? Because that, that sounds no. like we're, we're making judgment that they're in a different economic situation. It could be that we are assuming, but it could also be a barrier for people, right? Okay. Because we all know that um, some people from different backgrounds, from ethnic backgrounds, have a lower socioeconomic stance. And being considerate of that, giving away tickets doesn't mean that we are telling them they are poor. Giving away tickets is a way of you sharing that you want to be a sponsor in some kind of way. Opening up the space because you believe that they deserve to be there as well. They deserve to learn and accelerate and promote their, their career as well. That's how I see it. Okay, so not singling them out, but no, no, we don't want tokens. Yeah. So bring in diverse people, bring in different people from different settings and challenge event organizers or challenge event goers as well to bring in different people. Hmm. Well, I love the word. The word I'm taking away from that at the end, Vivian, is activate, which gets mm -hmm. back to action. Yeah. which to me gets back to allyship. Yeah. I know I saw a video some time ago that was, I really liked it. And she, the woman, uh, a black woman was talking about allyship is about putting your hand on the pole. Mm. Um, yeah. They're talking about bringing down the flag, the Confederate yeah. flag in South Carolina. And there was a, a, a woman of color who climbed the pole, but there was a man, a white man holding the pole for her. That was real active. That was, yeah. and how it might've gone different if that hadn't been the case True. in terms of how the police reacted or didn't react. Hmm. Uh, and so I'm continuing to challenge myself. What's, what does activate? What does action look like versus yeah. nice words and nice reading where I can do well, that in the privacy and the safety of my home. Activate sounds about... different than initiate. True. <laughs> So, so Vivian, we always give our guests an opportunity to promote something going on for you, which mm -hmm. I'm going to guess might be your Amplify DEI Summit. Definitely. So the Amplify DEI is going to be held virtually on September the 27th till September the 29th. And you have to see it as a Netflix on demand for diversity, equity and inclusion, where we are inviting everybody uh within their journey so maybe you are starting out on the dei journey or maybe you're advanced or intermediate i want you to be inspired with a micro action all the videos all the conversations are about 20 minutes so 20 minutes it's consumable and like i said you can watch it similarly like netflix where you can watch let that soak in let it marinate what you just learned and then go on to something new so that you can challenge yourself to become more inclusive and that you can amplify DEI within your own domain as well. Well, we will uh, certainly share that and continue to do that. What is the, mm -hmm. what are the best ways for people to connect with you, Vivian? I am easy to connect on LinkedIn or follow me on LinkedIn or otherwise connect with me on Twitter as well. Um, yeah, that, those are the two best ways to connect with me. We, and we always wrap up with a couple of questions. You've shared a lot of wisdom already. So I'm going to ask you two questions. Mm -hmm. First is what, what book most speaks to you that folks should read? I'm going to focus on becoming a more inclusive leader. Yeah, it's relevant to what we talked about, uh, about the seat part, the seat at the board table. So a book, it's called The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure the Seat at a Table. And it's not only for women of color, but it's also for managers, for leaders to understand why it is important to make room, to make space 
for women of color at the scene. Excellent. And the second question, um, let's go with um, dinner. Mm. You get to have dinner Favorite with topic. someone. Yeah, you get to have dinner. <laughs> they're not very, They're making carrot cake. Yes. <laughs> you get to have dinner with someone living. Who mm -hmm. do you want to have dinner with? And what's the one question you're going to make sure to ask them? I would love to have that conversation with Ava DuVernay. Ava DuVernay is the producer, filmmaker of Selma, When They See Us the 13th. Mm -hmm. She is a role model to me. She has... Um, there is a quote of her, instead of waiting upon the door to be opened by others, she created that door. And I would like to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with her by asking a one question as in, what can I do to build upon that door that's similar towards yours? Because her movies, uh, um, as in the actors, but also at the back, it's built upon inclusion. Thank you so much, Vivian, for being with us, for sharing so much, and even more important, the world, the work you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thank you for having me as well. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com confident to find out more. See you on the inside. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.